Thank you. Please remain standing for the reading of the scripture, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hear the word of God. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of God for the people of God. He may be seated. So when I first started here, or started back, not in 2015, I mean earlier this year when I came back, I asked a question. And I'm going to ask it again. Who is God to you? Have you thought about that at all since I first asked that question? Because how you answer really determines everything in your life when it comes to God. How do you approach him? How do you pray? How do you deal with others? How do you deal with sin in your life? All that hinges on who you think God is. If you think God is love, which the Bible tells us very explicitly, God is love, then that is one way you'll approach God. If you fear, fear God in that you think he's the one who's going to strike you down if you do something wrong, then the way you approach him will be in regard to that. Now, how you think of God today can change. And hopefully today for some will be the beginning of that change because God is love. Yes, he's a judge. Yes, he's righteous. Yes, he's holy. He is all these things. And yes, he will judge many for their sins, all of us. But for those who have accepted his son because he loved us and he gave us his son, we won't be judged for our sins. Our sins are forgiven. So if we take that knowing that, that our sins are forgiven and we see God as love, maybe we can approach him in a different way, and it'll build our relationship with him. Love is the foundation that we must build our relationship on with God and with others. If 
It is the most firm foundation. You can build a foundation of fear, and God will still accept you. You can build a foundation of fear, a fear with others, and they may accept you. But when you build that foundation on love, it opens up a brand new possibility. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Have you ever stopped loving another person? I think most of us would probably say yes. And that shows that our love at times is conditional. Meaning that when we say, well, if you do this for me, then I will love you. But when you stop doing this for me, I don't love you anymore. Now, that is not a real strong foundation of love. But there are times when, because we are humans, because we do sin, there are times when it is necessary to break off a relationship and stop loving. But God never does that. His love is unconditional. Now, you might say, well, Phil, what about the condition that you have to to know Jesus as your Savior? Sure, that's for salvation. In order to get to heaven, you must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And when you say that you believe this and you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, then you will be saved. So... God loves people who are not saved? Yes. Does he hate anybody? Yes. But hate is not the opposite of love. It is a strong emotion like love, but it is not the opposite of love. In fact, there is so much emotion in hate as there is in love. They are not equal, but they are very similar. They're not opposites. Now, we don't have time to get into why God hates people, and there's, there's examples of it in the Bible. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, but we'll, that's for another time. But right now, I want you to think about this foundation of love. So how do we use it? Well, first, Jesus in Matthew 22, when questioned, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. These come from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus as well. But these two commandments, he says, on the entire Bible is built upon these two commandments, to love God and love your neighbor. So we can look at it this way. Love God this way. Love your neighbor is this way. Wait, that makes a cross, doesn't it? How about that? God knew knew what he was doing. When he wanted us to love him, because we think of him as being in heaven, and love each other on the same plane as that we're on here, if you put them together, it makes a cross. The cross is love. So here's the dilemma. We are born into a life of sin. We do not know what love is unless it is taught to us. We learn love as a baby when our parents show us love or whoever's taking care of us shows us love. We grow up, we see others, like our parents sometimes, or, or others, we see people who are in love and we model the romantic love that way. We see people who are 
good relationship with one another and we see the love coming out, we hear what love is, we might read 1 Corinthians 13 and understand that love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast. Okay? But we see it, we're taught, we know what it is, but then we're, we also see, hey, you did something wrong to me, or you're different than me, or wow, you're weird. Okay, and we say those things, don't we? Is there love in that? I want to read a, a scripture verse to you. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's a couple of verses. Um, I'm going to start with 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, must, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth. Did you catch that? First of all, it's pretty clear he's talking about loving one another. Don't quarrel with people. Gently instruct them. But he says that God may grant them repentance. You see, what happens a lot of times is we look at people in this world and we think, that person's way out there. I need to correct that. I am a Christian. I need to show them. And we just beat them over the head with the Bible, don't we? And then when they don't listen to us and turn away, we just say, well, Jesus said, wipe the dust off your feet. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to go on being a self-righteous Christian. That's not love. What Paul is telling us to do is if you see someone who's doing something wrong, gently instruct them. That's love. When you gently instruct, you're not raising your voice saying, oh, you're wrong. And, and you know, you can think of all kinds of ways that we do it. And let me tell you, it can be hard, especially when you think they're on the fringe. They're unreachable. They're never going to come to a knowledge of God. One of the greatest testimonies I ever heard was of a, a truck driver with a really long beard, kind of heavy, um, really rough, wore ragged clothes. He would cuss like a drunken sailor. And he went to a truck stop one night, and someone gently talked to him about the love of God. That man is now a pastor. He's still got the beard. He still wears the tattered clothes. And I think that's great because it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It's what you believe on the inside. But what I'm saying is a man who was so rough he didn't want to think about God at all, someone came to him and gently instructed him, and God granted him repentance. Okay? But when you see someone that I don't want to throw out adjectives because I don't want to accidentally pick out someone you might know, but just think of someone that you think is just out there and on the fringe and they're never going to come to God. How do you know? It's not your job to grant them repentance. It is the Lord's job. You gently instruct. Maybe they're just like us. Maybe they just don't agree with what you agree with, whether it be socially, politically, or whatever. Or you know the Bible says this, and they're saying something different. Don't open up the Bible and say, here, look, that's not going to do any good. But if you say it gently, like, hey, 
did you happen to read what 2 Timothy chapter 2 says? You don't have to say it that way. That's just my personality coming out. You present it, God will grant them the repentance. Titus, in the book of Titus, Paul says, to reject a factious man once, then twice, and then let it go. Hand him over to God. Your job is not to bring people to salvation. Though we all, Matthew 28, 20, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and surely I am with you till the end of the age. There is a denomination built on that verse. Okay? That's great. But remember, God brings them to salvation. We, don't, we are not the Holy Spirit. We present God does the rest. It's part of that two-part love your God, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor that God was talking about. And when we work those two things together, we're loving God, we're loving our neighbor, God will come in and work in that person's life. But we've got to remember that if we don't start with love, here's what we're going to do. Right now in our nation, this troubles me greatly, this whole gender ideology thing. That there are people in this world who think they are only partially human. They want to identify as either animals or aliens. They think they're a cat. They think they're a dog. They think they're a wolf. And so they are. It's called moral relativism, and it's not the truth. But do we say, you're weird, get away from me? No. Try to become a friend. Now, this is the hard part. Try to be their friend. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, try to be their friend because you know why? They need love. They are searching for their identity. Nobody is, probably nobody's loving them right now, or maybe other cats and dogs are loving them. I don't know. But whatever it is, join them in love and watch God work. Watch God work. They are human beings just like us. We may know the truth, but they may not. And what does 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 say? We read it this morning. Love delights in truth. Love delights in truth. Love delights in truth. And the truth is... They're not a cat, they're not a dog, they're not an alien, they're not a wolf. If they were born a man, they're not a woman. If they were born a woman, they're not a man. And no, they were not born that way. There's only one truth. How do I know there's only one truth? If you have a compass, you put it in your hand, is it going to point south? Is it going to point to the west, east? How about just northwest a little bit? No, it's going to point north. Only. There's one absolute truth. One absolute truth. Now, others make up what they call truth. But the truth is what it is, and it cannot be changed. Truth is the second part of this foundation. When we walk in truth, and we love one another, and we love people that don't understand the truth, or don't understand love, or don't have love, when we walk in both of those things... We know the truth, but do we present it with love? When we do, you open the door for God to walk in. Now, sure, God can come in and, and 
save them without our help, but he wants us to be a part of it. So don't throw them out. Don't treat them like garbage. Love them. Because they may be the next people joining this church. It happens a lot. People fall into this ideology and they realize they're wrong and they come back out. They're not lost. They're not gone. They're not freaks. They're just people searching for love and truth. And we can give that to them. And then as 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, God will grant them repentance. Because God does not say, because you don't think you're fully human and I created humans, I don't love you. He doesn't say that. He says, I created you to be a human being. I want to show you what that means. I created you to be a man. I want to show you what that means. I created you to be a woman. I want to show you what that means. He will bring them back. He will bring them back. And if I'm offended anybody, I'm sorry. But I'm speaking the truth. And there's only one truth. And I won't back down from it. But I will love you through it all. So let love be your foundation for your life. Let love guide you. Let love show you the most excellent way, as Paul said. I'm going to read this again. And when I do, or I ask you to read this, 1 Corinthians 13, replace the word love with your name. Okay? So think about this. Beginning with verse 4. If you replace the word love with your name, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Can you say, like I would say, Phil is patient, Phil is kind, Phil does not envy. Then I would stop and say, is that true? Not always, unfortunately. And I'm sure that many of us would say, not always. Some of us might even say, never. But let it be. Let God work that in you and go through each one of them. Phil is not rude. Phil is not self-seeking. Phil is not easily angered. Well, that one's not true. (laughs) But put your name in there, okay? And see if you can say yes or no. And if you say no, then say, God, how do we change this? I want love to be my foundation. God, make it so that I'm not easily angered. What can I change? What can I do? How can I think differently? How can I treat others differently? If you do that, you'll start building a foundation of love. And I don't think I need to tell you how important a foundation is. If there are cracks in your foundation in your home, it might fall over. A firm foundation will keep a house going for a long time. Let love be your firm foundation and see where God will take you. This is something that going forward, I'm going to be talking more about, I mean, not overtly like today, but love is going to be continuing in my messages for the next several weeks because it needs to be a very firm foundation in our lives. 
And it is important that we understand God's love, that we accept God's love, and that we know that we are loved by God. If you're like me, there was a time in my life when I said, how could God love me? Because I know what I had done. But now I know that even when I have those moments where I get angry, God still loves me. He loves you. His love never fails. It is patient. It is kind. It never fails. It does not boast. So the final thing I want to say is what Paul says at the end of this. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Our faith leads us to salvation. Our hope is knowing of his return. But our love is what carries us through both of those. Our love, God's love leads us to love, which leads us to Christ. God's love helps us see that his return will come someday, and we will get to be with him forever. And I'm telling you, you may think you have a great life on earth. It's nothing compared to what's coming. We can't even imagine. I mean, if it weren't true, people would come back, wouldn't they? They'd come back, but they're in a better place when they pass on, and we will be too. So let love carry you through, because the greatest of all these things is love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for teaching us what love is. Thank you for helping us understand what love is. And if there be anyone here who doesn't know your love, Lord, pour it out on them right now in this moment. Let them know and feel your presence tugging at them, asking them to accept your love. Pour it out so strongly, even on those who do know it, right now, Lord, that your love just fills this place. We can't move without touching your love. We can't breathe without breathing it in. We can't look without seeing it. Yes, Father, pour it out now that your love will attach and grow in us, and we will know it, trust in it, and live in it all the days of our lives. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.